Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. My name's Ryan. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I have the honor of serving here as lead pastor. And, and you just saw how one of the lives, just one of many, have been transformed through our partnership with Convoy of Hope. You know, every Christmas time, we, uh, we join together, we partner together for a Christmas legacy offering. And this year, our Christmas legacy offering is really tackling two major issues. Both of them relate to poverty. The first one is where we have launched, we announced this a couple months ago, we are launching the TC Dream Center, which is going to be uh, our way of trying to um, tackle what, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Tallahassee has the highest poverty rate in the entire state. And our church actually neighbors the highest poverty rate zip code in Tallahassee, which means that right outside these doors, just a few steps away, is the lowest income area, the highest poverty rate in the entire state of Florida. And uh, we're not okay with that. And so we believe God has called us to to start a TC Dream Center. And uh, we're gonna start it, we're gonna kind of inch into that a little bit slow. Uh, But we are arranging three events next year for us to be able to reach out to our community, uh, to try to remove some of the barriers that oftentimes um, people struggle with, families have. Uh, when they don't have enough. And so that's one of the initiatives. The second initiative for us tackles um, another thing that relates to poverty, and that is hunger. And all around the world, um, one out of one child every 10 seconds will die because of hunger. And here's what that means to us today is that over the next 75 minutes, as we enjoy this amazing service, enjoy the comfortable seats, enjoy the heat from the cold, that over 450 kids are gonna die because they didn't have enough food. And so we are partnering with Convoy of Hope as our second initiative to be able to help tackle this issue of hunger as it relates to children all across the world. Now, I know that's kind of heavy to lay out right before a message, and trust me, I thought many times to not even talk about it, but then I realized that sometimes you and I need to be reminded truly how blessed we are. And so here we are stepping into this Christmas legacy season, and my my challenge to you is to participate. Our goal is to raise $20,000, and we're just over halfway um, to that goal. But our next goal is 100% participation. At the end of the day, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. And one of the ways that you can partner is what you heard on the screen, what we're calling the one-day challenge. And so basically what you do is you take a look at what your income would be for the year, and you divide it by $365.00. And you take that money and you give towards the Christmas legacy offering so that we can begin to hit head-on poverty, not only here in Tallahassee, but all around the world. I love that little final tagline that your one day could transform their every day. You know, there's a few ways to give, and you'll see that up on the screens that you can give, you know, in person, you can give online. But I want to show you, I draw your attention to a new way to give. 
that we've launched uh, this month. And that is an opportunity for you to be able to give with stock and with cryptocurrency. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but I would encourage you to go to transformtlh.com forward slash give, and there you'll be able to read all the benefits that surround giving uh, with stock or giving with cryptocurrency. So you can check all that information out at transformtlh.com forward slash give. Well, hey, I know that I've taken a little bit of time uh, talking about the legacy offering, but listen, it truly is our heart that we not be a church just about church services, but we be a church that's making an impact and a difference in the lives of others. And so thank you, thank you for your generosity and being a part of what God is doing here. Hey, grab your Bibles and uh, head with me to Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and uh, with our At The Movie series, did you guys enjoy that series? That was pretty, that was pretty cool. Um, I will be honest with you, that means it's been five weeks since I've been up here in person, and uh, I feel like I'm auditioning again. Um, but um, it's been so long since we've been able to pray this congregational prayer together. And so I would encourage you, if you're new, um, we, this is a prayer that we pray corporately together just as a way to prepare our hearts uh, for God's word today. So say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question, and uh, it's not a trick question. I want to ask you this, and I want you to raise your hand if this is you. How many have experienced disappointment this year? (laughs) How many of you have, for those that have not experienced any disappointment this year, how many have experienced it in your lifetime? Yeah, Yeah, three of us have experienced it in our lifetime. Um, (laughs) Here's another question. How many of you have experienced disappointment from God? Yeah, see, we're quick to be like, yes, people have disappointed me. Um, Outcomes, situations have disappointed me. But wait, wait, wait. Disappointed by God? Like I'm at church, like I'm going to give the little half half hand raise because I want to get like struck by lightning or something like that. But, um, But disappointment is inevitable. And I don't know if you know this, but disappointment is what you and I feel in the gap between what we expect and what we experience. And the gap between what we expect in life, what we expect from people, what we expect from God, and what we actually experience, that in that gap is where disappointment lies. And so if we know that disappointment is going to be inevitable, if we know that we're going to experience disappointment from people, from situations. If we know that at some point in our life, if we're really following the Lord, that at some point we're going to experience disappointment from God, then I think we should ask this question, what do we do in the gap? What do we do when our expectations are way up here, but what we experience is way down here? Well, I think today we can find some answers to these questions by looking at the story of Jesus' birth in Matthew chapter 2. But I want to look at that story today through the lens of the wise men. Now, in Matthew chapter 2, what you'll see is that 
we see the wise men and that we see that they are following a star in hopes of finding a king in a palace. But instead, what they find is a baby born in a stable. And so I want us to take a look at this story and I want us to look at it through the lens of the disappointment that the wise men experienced when they expected Jesus in a palace, but found Jesus in a stable. And I want to talk a little bit about three observations that I find from their experience that I think could help us in the gap when we are feeling disappointment in our life. Look with me in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, and this is what they're asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? When we saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, I want to stop right here for a second. I want to point out this. The disappointment that they are experiencing because they were expecting to find Jesus in Jerusalem, and he wasn't there. Like these wise men, I don't know if you know this, but it took them about five months of travel time to get to Jerusalem, thinking that they're going to walk in and see Jesus and discovering that he's nowhere to be found. And in verse three, it says that King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone in Jerusalem was, that he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and this is what he asked, where... Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Like everybody's wondering, what is going on? It says in verse five, in Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. And so in verse seven, it says, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. Now, I don't know if you're catching this on these last few verses, but Herod had no interest whatsoever and worshiping Jesus, that this is, from his perspective, a setup. And if you keep reading in Matthew chapter 2, what you will discover is that from the information of the wise men, King Herod decides to murder every child in the Bethlehem area that's under the age of two, hoping that Jesus is going to be one of them. And so we see in verse 9, it says that after this interview. So Herod's kind of got this set up. He's got this agenda that he's asking these questions. And after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star that they had seen in the East, notice this, the star they seen in the East, it guided them to Bethlehem, that it went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. I want to stop here for a second because something really jumped out at me in this passage, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with today's message, but I think that somebody probably needs to hear it. That if you notice in this passage, the last few verses, 
that it's the same star that led them to the wrong place also guided them to the right place. The same star that they set out to follow took them to Jerusalem, which was the wrong place, but it ended up guiding them to Bethlehem, which was the right place. And it made me think that oftentimes God takes us through seasons that we don't understand what seems to us to be the wrong place, but he does it to prepare us for the seasons we don't deserve. Sometimes he takes us through the wrong place in our life, in our journey with him, some difficult experiences. He takes us through that so that we can experience seasons that we don't deserve. He says in verse 10 that when they saw the star, that that they were filled with joy, that they entered the house. Notice here, not the stable But the whole idea of wise men like showing up when Jesus is born is actually not biblical, but it looks great. It works great in our little nativity scene, but in reality, that's not the case because they traveled five months and they got there a little bit later. So they entered the house, right? They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. And if you got your Bible, circle that. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. There's so much here that we can dig into, but I want to give you three observations that I see and the way that the wise men responded in their gap of disappointment. The first one is this, is that wise people, like they're wise men, if we're gonna be wise people, we're gonna look for God in the gap. When we are in the gap between what we are expecting and what we are experiencing, if we're gonna be wise people, then we're gonna look for God in the gap. You see, the truth about your life and the truth about my life is that we tend to see things, get this, not as they are, but as we are. Here's what I mean. Like we we see things through the lens of our difficulty, through the lens of our inadequacies, through the lens of our hurt and our pain and disappointment. So we look at things not as they are, but as we are. And that's why, listen, that's why without God's perspective, that you and I get a false perspective. That if we don't see things the way that God sees them, then we're going to get a false perspective of the seasons that we walk through in life. I think about Joseph, right? Joseph was given a dream. God gave him a dream, and, and all of a sudden, you would think that his family would support what God was wanting to do in Joseph's life, right? You would think that that is what would happen. But what ends up happening is that his family gets jealous. They plot to kill him. They eventually sold him into slavery. And then we see later in his life, we see Joseph say this in Genesis fifty twenty that you intended to harm me, but God intended it all 
for good. That he brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. I mean, how could, how could Joseph say that with everything that he went through? I think he could respond that way because he was looking for God in the gap. I think of Job, right? Job had the, the picture-perfect life, right? He loved God. He had a great family. He had influence. But then he experiences devastation after devastation after devastation. I mean, Job loses everything. I mean, everything. But despite losing everything, Job said in chapter 1, verse 21, that the Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. And despite all of that, look what he says, praise the name of the Lord. Like, how could Job have it all? How could he have the house of his dreams, the boat of his dreams, the car of his dreams, the family, like loving God, like feeling like he's walking through life on purpose and, and living for God. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff gets taken away from him. How could he experience that and still say, everything that I have is from God. And at any point, if God decides he wants to take it away, I'm still going to praise the name of the Lord. How could he say that? How could he say that? It's because he was looking for God in the gap. Church, the most limiting thing that you and I can do in our life is to try to fit God into our expectation box. We do it all the time, though. I mean, and I'm the first to say, I mean, think about, think about our prayer life. <laughs> what do we do with God in our prayer life? We go, we have something that we're experiencing in our life, right? Whether it's us or whether it's somebody that we love, we care about, and we go to God and we give him all of our suggestions of what he should do in the situation. And uh, what does God do? God says, Ryan, thank you so much for your suggestions. I didn't even think of that. Like, <laughs> thank you. Like, no. <laughs> and so we go into our prayer life with all of these expectations. And, and then what do we do when God doesn't answer the prayer of our expectation? Think about it. What do we do? We pull away, right? We begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt whether he truly exists because the person that we love so much that got sick and we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that God would heal them and they were never healed by God. And we begin to doubt whether, whether God's really real after all. When actually what's happening is that we're putting God in our little expectation box and then anytime he doesn't follow through with what we expect should happen, the perfect end of the story from our perspective then we get angry and we get frustrated. Listen, if you serve a God who fulfills your expectation, and can I tell you, your God is too small. He's too small. If, if the God that you follow is the one that you expect to fulfill every expectation you have for every situation. I think back in our our time, those of you that, that, that are new, um, 
Uh, Andrea and I had the honor of serving here from 2012 to 2016 as staff pastors. And I remember, I remember learning a lesson during that period of time that would really change my perspective of the gap. I remember we were here and it was like 2013, 2014, and everything inside of us, because we had experienced some transition in our life and, and there was a little bit of parent guilt that, that our kids were growing up and, and it, they didn't have like the memories of, oh, this is the house I grew up in or this is the school that I grew up in or, or the kind of friends that you start out having in kindergarten and first grade and here you are in high school and it's the same friends. And they didn't have any of that because of the transition that we had had in our life. And so we get here and our, our belief was that for us to be good parents and for us to, to be doing what God's called us to do, then we need to settle ourselves here. And so we decided, hey, we're gonna find a house. And so for over a year, we ended up putting offers on six different houses over a period of a year. And all six of those offers were rejected. And I just, I remember what my prayer life looked like during that season. I remember frustrated. I remember going to God and asking him, like, like saying, saying stuff like, like, God, we're doing everything that we can to, to plant our roots here and to, and to, to be stable and, and to be here long-term. And, and, and we're stepping out, we're putting offers in homes and you keep closing the door, right? You know, one after another, after another. And God, I don't understand. And like, like I'm angry because we're, we're taking this step of what we look at as a step of faith and nothing's ever happening. And and then, in 2016, a couple years later, God redirects our steps, and he sends us to Washington State to pastor for the first time. And I realized in that transition that if we would have purchased a house when we were here before, we would have either not been able to be obedient to what the Lord was calling us to do because of the house, or we would have been obedient and experienced financial devastation because of the house. And here's what's so amazing about that story is that we had this list, like we sat down with the kids and we're like, what do you want in a house? And we all had this kind of list that we had developed of all the different things that was in kind of our dream house when we were looking for a place to live. And when we showed up in Washington to pastor that church, we were provided a house to live in for free that had every single one of those items in it. I'm telling you, church, you live your life trying to, to fit God inside of your expectation box, you're going to live life disappointed. Because we, Andrew and I learned this lesson in that season, that sometimes God's no's are just as gracious as his yeses. Sometimes when God says no to something that we've been praying for, the no actually comes out of a deeper form of love than the yeses because there are things that he's protecting us from that we have no idea is there. And how many times do we like, like, listen, I'm in this boat, but how many times, right? 
How many times do we get so frustrated and disappointed and angry at God because something doesn't go the way that we think that it should go, not recognizing that the whole reason why he's saying no is because he's protecting us from something that's going to bring ultimate harm to our life. Listen, I've, it's taken me a long time to learn this. But the only way that we can connect the dots of what God is doing in our life is by looking backward, not forward. And so whatever you're walking through in this season, wherever that gap between where your expectations were and what you've actually experienced, that you're never in the middle of the gap going to be able to connect the dots to what God's doing. It only comes once we've walked through that season that God begins to shine his light on the reasons why things happened the way they happened. See, our relationship with God should never be determined by whether God does what we want him to do. Our relationship should be determined by the faith that we have in him, that he has our best interest at heart, and that at the end of the day, life may not look the way that we thought that it should, but we know that God is always working in our lives to make us more like him and to live a life that is on mission and on purpose. So the first thing in the gap of disappointment is we've got we've to, if we're going to be wise people, we're going to not only look for God in the gaps, but secondly, wise people offer their best to God. So we're going to look for God in the gaps but wise people also offer their best to God. Look at the wise men, despite the confusion and the disappointments. Look in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says that then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, if we were going to be honest with ourselves, I think that we would all agree that when we when we walk through seasons of difficulty, when we walk through seasons of disappointment and we find ourselves in the middle of the gap, that our natural response is to not give our best. Our natural response is to, to pull away when things aren't going our way. I mean, I think about, I put myself in the story with the wise men. Like I think about what, what would I do in that situation? Like what would I do walking into that house and seeing Jesus, like, like I think, like I would walk in and I, I, would, I would see Jesus and I would see kind of the meager surroundings of, of where he is and, and then I would look to all of my other buddy wise men and I would say, you know what, why don't we go outside and just give the gifts to one another? <laughs> like if it took us five months to get from our home to Jerusalem, we could sure use some faster camels, Right? I know it sounds messed up, but listen, before you judge me, isn't that what we do on Christmas? We sit around the living room giving gifts to everyone else but Jesus. But that's not what the wise men did. They were so moved by Jesus that they gave their best. Friend, that's what our legacy offering is all about. It's, 
It's a way that we keep focused on the real reason for the season. Because the first gift that we give on Christmas, it shouldn't be to others. It should be to Jesus. And think about over the period of time, think about the more that our society has gotten hyper-focused around Christmas being all about the gifts that we give to one another, that while we're focusing on that, depression rises, disappointment rises, unfulfillment rises. The more that we focus on one another, which is great, I got three kids and we're getting them presents. But the more that we build our relationship in Christmas time around that and miss out on the real reason for the season, which is God sending his one and only son, Jesus, to take on the form of man, to give us the ultimate gift that we didn't even know that we needed at the time, that would change our lives, not just while we're here, but for the rest of eternity. Maybe that should be where our focal point is this Christmas season. And then the third thing, so, so wise people, they look for God in the gap seasons. Wise people are gonna offer their best to God. And then finally, wise people aren't afraid to change course in the gap. They're not afraid to change course in the gap. And verse 12 of chapter two, it says that when it was time to leave, that they return to their own country, look at this, by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Why did, why did God have them go a different way? Because he had a purpose for them to fulfill. And he knew that they couldn't do it if they went back the same way that they came. And I wonder if maybe today there is, there are some of you here who, who finds themselves in a gap, drowning in disappointment. Maybe this year you've lost someone that's close to you. Maybe this year you received a bad diagnosis. Maybe this year you didn't get the promotion that you were expecting to get. Maybe this year you didn't get into the college that you were hoping you would get into, or maybe this year you just don't know how to raise your kids all by yourself. Friend, if that's you today, what do you do? What do you do when that loved one's not here anymore? What do, you, what do you do when now you're fearful about the future? What do you do when you're concerned about whether or not you're gonna be able to make ends meet? What do you do as a college student wondering, what do I do now? What do you do if you're that single parent raising kids all by yourself and it's everything you can do to come into this room today because you're exhausted and you're overwhelmed, what do you do? You start looking 
for God and the gap. You choose to continue to give your best, to not pull away, not to retreat, not to isolate yourself, but to continue to give God your best. And then you be willing to change course if God chooses to redirect your steps. Friend, there is always a reason when God sends us on a divine detour. And maybe you find yourself in the gap today. And maybe God's allowed you to be in the gap of disappointment because there's a bad habit in your life that he's wanting to break or a powerful truth that he's wanting to reveal or a God encounter that will change everything in your life if you'll just look to him. It's the same reason why Abraham didn't always take the easiest route. It's the same reason why Moses had to go to the backside of the desert. The same reason why the people of Israel went in circles for 40 years. The same reason why David ran to the cave and God's prophets were often on the move. Because sometimes before we can change our world, God has to change our ways. Before we can change our family, before we could provide better for our kids, before we could fix the emotional struggles and the family issues, before we could reach the, the lost loved ones that don't know Christ, before all of that, sometimes God has to change our ways. What might he have been trying to change in your life that he saw in his wisdom that we don't see, that he saw that if he allows you to step into a gap of disappointment, that it would allow you to reset your perspective, to stop living life your way and to stop living life his way. What might it be today? Every head bowed and eye closed. Father, in this room, in this room represents a multitude of stories, a multitude of experiences. The Lord, as we look back over the last 12 months and the last few years and just the pain and the disappointment that many of us have experienced, Lord, we stand in this moment with ears open to your spirit. That Lord, today, if you're wanting to get our attention, that if today we've taken our eyes off of you, Lord, I pray that you would give us the ability to look for you in the gap. God, give us the courage to come out of the shadows Give us the courage to, to not withdraw into isolation, but to, to surround ourselves with people that can encourage us and lift us up. But Lord, today, 
if we've allowed disappointment to take us down the wrong road, God, I pray that we would hear the voice of your spirit redirecting our past. That God, we would have the courage to walk it out. With every head bowed and eye closed. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today in that last part of the message about changing direction. Maybe you recognize that you've drifted from God. Maybe today you're far from him. Maybe today you're kind of living life your way. And right now in this moment, you're recognizing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that it's time to change course. And it's time to start walking in the path that he has for your life. With every head bowed and eye closed, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but right there where you're seated. If that's you today and you know that God is saying, it's time to pivot, it's time to change course, I want you to slip up your hand and I wanna pray for you. Yeah, yeah, all over the place. Anybody else? You know that this is, you know this is your moment. Friend, if you want 2023 to look any different than 2022, and sometimes it requires a change of course. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you raised your hand today, I want you to repeat this with me and church family, say it with me. God, thank you for sending your son to pay for my sins. Today I ask that you will forgive me. Order my steps. No longer living for myself, but living for you. Help me to be the person you created me to be, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.